It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Good afternoon and welcome to Talent Talk. It's Tuesday, it's 1 o'clock, and I'm excited to have, well, Every once in a while, we take the show and we turn it upside down and we do something a little different. And today is one of those days. So instead of having two guests on where we're going to be breaking up uh, the show kind of in half, we're going to have two people from the same company on. And we're going to spend the entire show talking to them about uh, their company, culture, talent, and everything from really, I guess, from a startup kind of maybe uh, lens here today. And I think those of you that listen that are starting companies that are working inside of highly high growth organizations might really be curious today as to what they're doing and what they're thinking about. We get so many great stories here at Talent Talk. And in fact, uh, a lot of those stories were put in my first book, The Power of Company Culture. Love to have you check that out. And don't forget, you can uh, be a part of the show uh, by following us on Twitter at PeopleG2 or follow that hashtag Talent Talk. My social media maven, Sarah, puts all of the best one-liners, all of the book suggestions, any links or bits of information that may come up during our conversation there on, on Twitter. Now, many of you come in and listen to it live, and we really appreciate that. But most of you actually get us as a podcast, whether it's on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, wherever you find your your podcasts, uh, we that's where most of you come in. In fact, about 10,000 of you a day, which is millions of downloads a year, and I'm really just so happy we get so many people being a part of that conversation and listening in here each week. So if you want to uh, follow us, subscribe there, or go to talenttalkradio.com, that's the best place to do it. All right, let's get to who my guests are. My guests in the live in studio today are Ken Iden. He's the Vice President of Strategic Business Initiatives at IDIQ. And then he also brought in his CEO of IDIQ, uh, Scott Herman. So, uh, Scott, Ken, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Uh, So, Scott, let's start with you. What does IDIQ do? So Identity IQ, or IDIQ, our, our company name is Identity Intelligence Group, and we're the proud owner of the flagship brand, Identity IQ. And we're a premier identity theft restoration and monitoring company, and we're a nationwide company serving hundreds of thousands of consumers every day. And it's sort of, I mean, we get to, we'll get to you in a minute, Cam. We won't, we won't forget about you. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Scott, what's important, what's important for us to know about you and your journey, sort of you know, the companies you've worked for? Sort of how did you end up in this place here today? Um, yeah, so I've been kind of a diverse career. I've actually started out in uh, in teaching and coaching. And over the course of time, I've worked at, at various companies. Leading up to meeting a guy in, in Chicago, actually playing basketball. And we started a company in, in 2003 and successfully exited in 2004. And then uh, ended up working at, uh, at First American, which became CoreLogic eventually, which is actually where I met Ken. 
okay. um, probably 10 years ago or so mm-hmm. at this point. But seen a lot of different startup companies and a lot of different mature organizations, um, you know, both really you know mature public corporate owned businesses. Right. And, and what about you, Ken? What's uh, important for us to know about you and our conversation today? Yeah. So my, my background is, was diverse as well. A lot of the times I had spent in restaurant management earlier on in my career. And then when I moved to um, California, I got into the mortgage real estate side of the business, which then translated into the, the credit and mortgage related business as a, going from a, a consumer to a, to a vendor spot. Did that for you know 20 plus years. Uh, and then I, I was at First American, which became CoreLogic, was there for about 13 years. And so you've really had, a, I guess, the more recent positions up to this one have been in larger companies, highly structured, like you said, and really focusing in the financial market. So how has it been for you kind of in transitioning into this, you know, high growth, maybe fast moving type company? Yeah. So we, I came from the last couple of companies I was at, the departments I was in were mostly considered the cash cow of the company, mm-hmm. right? So there wasn't a lot of innovation and growth. It was coming in like the, and I would say that the typical standard corporate environment. Now coming here, it's it's a lot more challenging, a lot more diverse, a lot more intimate. So you get much more personal relationship with people right. for better or worse, right? <laughs> so you, you can have, you know, I think mediocre relationships in a large corporate environment and it would still be successful and move forward. Um, that's a lot more challenging in a small business. And so you have to be able to to adapt to that. And Meaning the relationships need to be stronger and, and more, uh, I guess, fruitful and intense, right? Right. And you have to be more flexible yourself and understand that, you know, this is somebody I, I have to work with. I can't really avoid it. Right. right. Like you could in other areas. Yeah. So, Scott, uh, being the, uh, the guy who started it all, how has the company changed from day one where you had, I guess, one or maybe maybe a couple employees to, you know, you have, you have what, over 100 or 130 or so employees now. What, what's sort of that journey been? How has it changed? And, and what are some of the things you're thinking about now going forward? Yeah. So, well, to start it off, you know, since I started the company and, and you know, really wanted to bring in the culture that I wanted, a, a competitive culture, an inclusive culture, a culture where everyone has the benefit of the doubt. And the most important things to me are we're going to spend eight, nine, ten hours a day at work. And I wanted to make sure that we created an atmosphere where everyone, you know, they had fun when they're at work. And and that culture was really important to me. And I, I step back at this and it's kind of crazy the growth trajectory that we've been on. But uh, 23 months ago, it was me and, and four people working out of a, a house in Canyon Lake, California. And we didn't get our first office. We looked at that in Temecula. We got that in April of 2018, basically. And, and since then, we've hired, you know, over 100 people, bought three new buildings, all in Temecula. And so trying to keep up with that growth and kind of grow, keep, and maintain a culture that's really important to me, that's really just been so much of a challenge. And so much of my time is focused on doing that. And people may not think about this as a challenge, but it sounds like growth is a challenge for you. Uh, you need a place to put people. You need to find talent. I mean, you could spend most of your waking day thinking about just how to deal with the demand that you have, which can take you away from how do we keep the demand going? How do we keep people happy? I mean, there's so many of the parts around that. Do you, do you find that sort of the, the growth part of it is a big part of your day? Absolutely. I mean, you know, for me, it's about 
you know, the first thing I had to do is, you know, build out, you know, the management team and structure that I wanted so I could rely on those talented people to uh, to help build out the rest of the organization and can, you know, carry the mission and the culture forward. But I spent a, a, so much time just on, on, you know, space planning, employee planning, and, you know, how to make it, you know, a culture that's important and inclusive for everybody. Well, I know you do some interesting things with, with the space that you have, and I think we'll get to that here in a little bit. But, uh, you know, to kind of maybe keep us where we're at here for a second, where are you finding people uh, as you're at this sort of certain stage of your company? And I'm, I'm guessing you brought in a lot of people to start that you knew, people you've worked with. That's, that's a pretty standard uh, operating procedure for startups. But we, how are you acquiring talent today? Yeah, so to touch on that, I did in the beginning, I'd say probably the first or most of the first 30 to 40 people were all people that I had known and worked with in different careers over the years. Some going all the way back to, you know, 25 years ago in Chicago and some very recently. But it was it was really neat because all these people that we've worked together in the past and we had a chance to come back and work together again and really to choose that relationship and to choose to be part of the same culture and, and to have that opportunity to come work together in a different place. And it's been interesting to see how people who I worked with you know, at different jobs and in, in different places, you know, kind of how, you know, in a new environment, a new culture, kind of how they behave different and how they've changed. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll touch on that a little bit later. But yeah, the rest of the, the recruiting now that we're kind of outside the ability to just, you know, you know, grab talent that I already knew from the past. Yeah, we're, we're located in Temecula, California. That was on purpose. There's about 400,000 people in, in that city in Menifee and Marietta, which is right around it. Most of which drive to San Diego, Orange County, or LA to find, you know, professional, you know, career, you know, orientated jobs. And so by locating ourselves there, we've had just tremendous success in, in hiring people. We're doing most of our, our stuff within with Indeed um, as far as our recruitment tools. But it's it's been pretty incredible and pretty, you know, life changing for some people to be able to work in the same town that they live in mm-hmm. and not have to take an hour and a half commute to San Diego one way through traffic, an hour and a half home. They're saving, you know, three hours of their of their lives every day. Yeah. And Ken, so I mean, your I know your experience before was sitting in traffic for a very, very long time to drive to Poway every day. How does this sort of factor in? Do you think into your talent acquisition uh, strategy? This sort of the if you look at your own experience of being able to drive what two minutes or something to the office, it's it's about ten. No. Ten. Okay, yeah. <laughs> For me, that the the freedom that I get to just to be around my my family a lot more often, it's really difficult to put a price on it. I'm able to go to the gym and work out now, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, which is also very beneficial just from a, a mental and a physical well being. I think people really. Don't appreciate that kind of stuff until they recognize that it's gone from their life because you get so used to the daily grind. You forget what life is kind of supposed to be like. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I've, I've been very appreciative of it. And But it has been an adjustment for me going from a, a large, you know, Fortune 1000 organization to um, a much more smaller organization. But for me, it's allowed me to be more vested in the organization vested in the people and the relationships. When there are asks for extra hours and extra work efforts, I'm, I'm more than willing to do it because I, I, I look around me and the people that are here, 
the, 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 the important work that we do, the clients that we serve and the people that I work with, I really enjoy being around them. So yeah, it's, it's, it was an adjustment, but something that I've, I personally have felt well adapted to. Right. Well, typically in organizations, I mean, who the ideal employee is for them, it changes over time. And you have that person who's the right one as employee two or employee five or whatever. And then you start to get more mature. And then, then there's, you know, employee 50, it's a different looking person. Employee 100, it, it starts to change again. You know, and sometimes that person who was the right fit for you in the beginning is no longer the right fit for you even as you go forward. But if we look at from just a talent acquisition standpoint, Ken, where do you kind of, what's the ideal client look like outside of that specific skill set? You mean an employee, not, not client? I'm sorry, employee. Yeah, yes, that's all right. That's you. all right. So for me, it has to be somebody who is going to be flexible themselves, right? We've got a very dynamic business that's growing, right? So a lot of a lot of days you come in and things can be pretty hectic, but you, you have to be able to adjust to that. It's normally people, when they come in for interviews, get a kind of tour of our offices. We had somebody come through a couple of weeks ago and a couple of employees just happened to be playing ping pong. And one, the, the interviewer was like, well, hey, why don't you just grab a paddle and see how you do? Right. And the, the candidate went over there and just stepped right. In. I'm like, that's somebody who should be working here. Somebody who feels comfortable. They, they, it was on the spot thinking, just get in there and go. And I was like, that's somebody who's probably going to fit in here mm-hmm. as far as the culture goes. He starts on Monday, by the way. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so th- those are the kind of things that I think, you have to, okay, yeah, you're a marketing person or you're a salesperson or you're a product person or you're a technology person. Those are all great skill sets to have as individuals for what you're going to be doing on a, on a regular basis. But what else are you going to bring to the organization? Are you a creative thinker? Are you going to be looking outside of your specific role at the organization holistically to say, oh, I think this area could be better, right? Or I think if we did it this way, we could be even driving more revenue or increasing right. our customer service. Well, I'm uh, really interested in, in learning more about this, and we're going to take our first quick commercial break. Uh, we have got Ken Iden here and uh, Scott Herman of IDIQ. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months, and the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that PeopleG2 offers something different. At PeopleG2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, PeopleG2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news? Or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. Don't forget to hop on Twitter. You can ask us questions. You can argue with us. You can tell us what you think. Whatever you want to do, at PeopleG2 or follow that hashtag, Talent Talk. And also don't forget to subscribe. Make sure you don't miss an episode. TalentTalkRadio.com or iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcasts. We are there. So as a reminder, we are talking to Ken Iden. He's the VP of Strategic Business Initiatives and uh, Scott Herman, the CEO of IDIQ. 
And we were talking about talent and bringing people in and it's sort of what the ideal person looks like, the ideal candidate. Um, but, you know, one of the things that we have to think about inside our organizations is how do we deal with diversity? And on this show, we've really coined that term or really thought about that term in, in the sense of not diversity and what we look like, but in the diversity in how we think. And we bring in new ideas and new ways of thinking to make sure we don't end up doing the same thing over and over again and never adapt or innovate or keep the business fresh. So, Scott, for you, how, how do you manage that idea of diversity uh, amongst your team, amongst leadership and the company overall? It's a great question, it's, and it's really, really important. So I, I've give, I give this a lot of thought when building out the management team and, and kind of going back to you know what we're talking about with who, who are the right candidates to hire regardless of the, the skill set. And it's what I've looked for in the, in the leadership uh, you know team as well. I've always hired people based on their attitude and their talent, necessarily more than their specific experience in a role, especially when they're coming into a culture where I think they can, you know, they can learn the role a little bit and not necessarily have, you know, you know, 20 years of experience in a specific skill set. But if they're the right, you know, the right attitude and a very talented person, I know I can get them to be where they need to be. On the leadership side of this, so I've been very careful to surround myself with, with a team of people that, you know, they, they think differently um, and are different creatively. So, you know, you know, Ken is in charge of strategic initiatives, which is, is really to go across all layers of the business, whether it's operations or sales or, you know, our, our corporate operations and and kind of help them, you know, build out the right processes, procedures, look at things that they might not look like because Ken sees things differently than other people do. And so from our team, I've tried to make sure that I have people that are different than me, that think different people that are strong enough to stand up to me. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things I've noticed over the years with myself is I'm, I'll be in a meeting with a group of people and I will, especially in a, in, a, in a more of a corporate setting, and I have said things that are top of mind, off the cuff, just my thoughts, and people leave and that's like, they, they thought it was a direction. And now they're off doing these things without any question, was it A, a good idea? Was it feasible? <laughs> was it a good thought? Um, and so I've tried to make sure I got people that are strong enough to say, hey, let's question these things. Right. Let's balance it out. And, and uh, should that even be on the to-do the to list today, right? Exactly. And uh, and I think I've done that with, with the team we have. And, uh, you know, Ken, I don't know if you want to allude to that or... You know. Yeah, no, I... I so coming in, I'm, I've only been with the organization for about seven months now, you know, so I'm one of the the new guys uh, on the on the leadership team, and so I'm coming in it probably a lot more objectively, I think, than other people who have been working together for the last couple of years. So I am able to observe the dynamics of the relationships. I think from a much more neutral perspective than others might be. I've also got my master's degree in management and leadership, so it's it's I, I look at that and probably a more critical eye than others would. But I I really appreciate having somebody being able to question other people's decisions because at the bottom line is it is it good for the organization that we take this step and how do we get to that decision is a collaborative effort i'm, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of conflict as long as it's healthy and, and constructive right i think that brings out the best decision Mm -hmm. Despite how much conflict you had along the way, it's usually the best decision. Are there things that you typically do to foster that conflict, to foster those those disagreements, or to get that conversation going? Well, as my wife can attest to, <laughs> I I I play devil's advocate a lot. Yeah, I I will take an opposing position just to take an opposing position, um, even if I don't believe in it, just to get people to question things. Right. Like, well, why are you going to do it that way? Even though I believe that's the right way, I'll still ask that question. 
so that people start challenging their own thought processes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's fantastic because often, I, I think I've told you this before, Ken, I mean, I've had to bring in exercises and things to get people to intentionally like practice disagreeing, right? Or mm-hmm. assign someone to disagree in a meeting and have it be secret. No one else knows that they're the disagreeer. Because otherwise you can get everyone together and they all just be like, oh, we should do this thing. Yeah, great idea. Let's all do it. And next thing you know, you're in group thought and you've got a whole group of people who well-intentioned, trying to be positive and thinking, well, we're all going to go do this great thing together. And you need someone to maybe raise their hand and go, you know, this might be a stupid idea. Or maybe this isn't, this is a good idea, but it is like, on the list of 300 things, number 299 that we need to be focused on. And I know, Scott, you often uh, kind of look at when you're kind of prioritizing those things to maybe take those smaller operational things or smaller efficiencies and maybe focus more in on sales. Is, is, is that a correct way to kind of articulate it? I think in different stages of businesses, I think there's different things that are important. So I think in the stage that we're at, um, the growth, the revenue growth, the mm-hmm. product growth is important. And I think there's probably some things operationally, efficiency-wise, that uh, probably drive Ken nuts <laughs> that he would like to see addressed, and, and, and they will. But sometimes I prioritize things you know, a little bit differently to focus more on the growth. And I, I do have some sayings that I, I use in the office, like a penny saved is, is not a penny earned. It's just a, just a penny. Um, and you can't save your way to you know, a spectacular growth. So we do try to focus on some growth initiatives, um, and and then obviously you know we're focused on the efficiency as as we as we build and as we go with it. Yeah, I'll say some of our the growth initiative now is not necessarily just getting more members to sign up for identity theft monitoring and credit reports because I mean that is a great staple of our business, but we're looking at other products, other industries, other verticals. You know, how do we get you know more B two B products and services that will have businesses in a similar way that we're helping consumers, right? Mm-hmm. How do we help employees, right? Like almost like a like a medical benefit, right? Yeah, an employer is sponsoring some, uh, identity theft protection for their employees. You know, there's a lot of analysis out there that shows that people lose a lot of time, productivity, stress goes up when that occurs to them. Um, so it is definitely a benefit to employers to have their employees have that peace of mind. So those are areas we're expanding growth and from both a, a product and also an industry perspective. So from what I understand, I mean, uh, most of your people are in the, on the Temecula side are, you know, they're, they're, they live very close to there. They are a particular, you kind of have a regionalness to, to the people you're bringing in. You also have, you're in a high growth setting. Uh, you guys are doing a very particular work. And so you can't just bring in anybody, though, which maybe for some businesses might be part of the equation is just to get warm bodies in these seats. We have all these things going on. We have all this growth. So how do you back up and make sure that you're bringing the right people in who really understand your purpose, understand where you are in the industry and can continue to foster your mission going forward? I think I'll throw this to you to start, Scott. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, obviously, through the very beginning of the recruitment process from, you know, you know, who we're looking for, how we're advertising to those people, and then in the beginning of the interview process, and we're really preaching the culture and what's important to us and what that mission is. And and our mission is simple. It's to help protect, you know, our consumer members that sign up in really every financial aspect of their life, to protect their identities, to monitor their credit, and to understand how it affects them financially through every stage of their life. And it's important, you know, for me as a CEO that I bring people in who understand that that's the mission and understand what's important to the company for how we treat, you know, our customers and our clients. And so we have just kind of 
kind of slowly ingrained into you know into everyone here's a culture you know when when we have customers that call us we answer the phone in 20 seconds or less we answer with customer service agents that are in the u.s and that are employees of the company we don't outsource anything when we have customers or clients that call us if it's a b2b conversation all calls return the same day all emails return within 24 hours and and that's the culture i want to you know create is, mm-hmm. is there's an urgency but there's also a respect for our clients and our and our customers and so bringing those people in and then making sure that they're a good, you know, cultural fit. Not that we're, they're all the same, but that they'll get along, understand the culture. And it's just really important to me to try to, you know, kind of you know, make sure we're not bringing in, you know, folks that will create the culture and change the culture and, and make it more of a negative culture. And I think we've all worked in places in the past where we've seen people who gravitate toward this miserable circle um, and they want to pull people in that circle with them. Yeah. And you're constantly fighting a battle to make sure that we don't end up in that situation. So in, in the conversations we've had leading up to this point, and certainly in what you've talked about today, I have heard a focus on uh, what you might articulate as a sales-focused organization, and then also a little bit, though, of a customer service-focused organization. So is that ever a push and a pull, or do you feel like you're one thing over the other? Uh, no, I think we're a customer service-focused organization, and I think we, we, we sell in that manner. Mm-hmm. Um and, and that's what's made us really successful. We have, you know, 4,500 to 5,000, you know, B2B partners that help us distribute the product, um, whether that's direct to their employees or, or through relationships that they have. But it's a very, you know, customer and, and client-centric, you know, focus that we have. And, and how do you see it, Ken, coming in kind of later in the game here? Yeah, I, I think our customer service helps drive the sales, right? Because we've had people contact us and say, you know, you're, you're a lot different than your competition. Right. When, when I call them and talk to them, I don't feel like I'm getting things resolved. They don't, sense, sense, uh, I guess, feel my pain of the uh, what they're going through or experience it. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not relating to it. Um, I think the people that we're, we are bringing in have a certain mindset that what they're doing is important work. And when those calls come into our call center, it's typically somebody going through something in, in their life. And you, you have to have people who can can take either the, the criticism that comes through it or be able to relate to them and understand the, the frustration they're going through or even like the, the, the potential trauma they're going through. Because if their identity is actually stolen, that can cause a lot of problems, right? So the, I think empathy has to be seen in almost every single role in the organization because we're not always just talking directly to consumers. We do have B2B business partners and they're dealing with their customers directly who are going through some situations like that as well too. So there has to be a lot of empathy and adaptability for any candidate that comes into the organization. Yeah, and and, and that's really important because, um, you know, I I think a lot of companies don't realize what impact that experience that someone has, that customer service experience has. It's nice to keep people. We want to keep our clients. But it sounds like you're able to take it to a level where it's not only helping you keep your clients, but you're helping you land new clients as well. Correct. Right. When you're in that sort of that same scenario. Yeah, we have a, we have a big referral program in our B2B side, right? So people are... When they experience working with IDIQ and selling the Identity IQ product and they're having a great experience with it, they're telling their friends who are in the same or similar industries and they get signed up with us too. Right. So that's a big part of our business and they wouldn't be doing that if it was going to be delivering poor 
service mm -hmm. to their end customer because a lot of these people are in a fiduciary capacity, right? So they, they've got a relationship with their customers that go beyond just, you know, a, a typical like banking relationship or um, another relationship for a, another customer. So they, they've got a lot more, I think, responsibility and relied right on the line for the products and services that they sell. Right. Well, wanna, when we come back after here, our last commercial break right now, I want to find out uh, really how you two see success being measured in your organization. But we'll let you uh, ponder that for a moment as we take uh, this last commercial break. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news? Or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to Talent Talk. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at PeopleG2. Use that hashtag Talent Talk to get all the best quotes, see all the best links. We'll be talking about books and things like that in a minute. But I wanted to, you know, kind of pick up where we left off, which was talking about what does success look like. And, you know, the first place outside of maybe the numbers, maybe the growth, maybe things like that is, and we can start with you, Scott, is what, what does success look like? And maybe you could kind of get us a story here around, you know, when someone has identity theft, when you have someone calling you to help you, what do some of those things look like? What are some people dealing with in their lives where they need a product like yours? Yeah, absolutely. So I think Ken, you know, alluded to it a little bit ago, but our, you know, our, our team and the restoration specialists and, you know, really all of our team, when you're talking to a customer, you're talking to someone that's having a major life event, they've had something traumatic happen and they've just found out about it. So we're at a spot where we can reassure them that it's going to be okay. I think one of the examples I'd kind of shared earlier, you know, with, with, with Ken when he first came on is we, we had a, we had a guy that, that called us up and he needed help getting his identity restored. He had told us he'd been pulled over for speeding and was arrested on an outstanding warrant because someone had stolen his identity, got a driver's license in his name, and when they had been arrested, they'd used his ID. And he had no idea any of this had happened. And imagine, you're just you're driving down the road going 10 miles over the speed limit, next thing you know, you're in jail. Right. It's it's crazy. So th this is a guy that now he's 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 made bail. He's out of he's out of jail and he's calling us because he he had the product luckily and saying you know help me figure this out. And um, you know of course we have you know criminal background data and we're able to look up and, and figure out what's going on and help him start going through the process of you know what does he need to do to restore his identity mm -hmm. um, and get him out of the situation uh, that he's in. And of course, you know, unfortunately for this for this gentleman, he ended up having a, a lot worse things than that too. Once he was able to pull his credit report, there were other accounts that had been opened um, that he had not done. And we, and we see this constantly. We had uh, one, one woman who had multiple car loans opened in her name. And she had not seen her credit report because she was a, a little bit older. And a lot of times the, the senior 
folks aren't pulling credit very often, so they're not seeing the transaction show up. And uh, by the time she found out something happened, a person had been using her name for over three years and had multiple car loans and credit cards on her credit report. And in identity theft world, it sounds kind of counterintuitive, but for a while, these identity thieves will actually pay the minimum payments on things. Mm-hmm. So as they get a credit card, they'll start you know using it to buy things and they'll pay the minimum payments. Um, so no one really knows what's going on. In some cases, they buy a car, they'll actually sell the car for parts and continue to pay the minimum payments on the car loan until they think they've got no more credit from this person. And then they'll stop paying the bills. And then you'll find out, you know, two years later, you had an actual identity theft incident. So right. when, when when our, you know, customer service and identity theft restoration specialists are talking to people, it's like I said, it's it's a traumatic point in their life. And so when we, when we recruit them, hire them and train them, it's really important for them to understand you have an opportunity to truly, you know, help someone at a really difficult time in their life. And that's important through the entire culture. So beyond the stories, Ken, are there other areas that you would identify what you know, is a successful day, is a successful moment inside of the company? Yeah. So I always look at people who are going beyond their specific role that they're hired for. Right, just because you were hired in the customer service call center doesn't mean you can throw out something to marketing and say, hey, I saw this commercial for this other product or this website and it looked great. I thought I think we could probably use this somewhere in our mm. organization. Right. Right. So are they are they going beyond their specified role to really help the organization? And the second part of that would be what are they doing for themselves? to grow their career or grow themselves personally. You know, I used to always have a, a goal for people that they had to be doing something for self-development, whether that's going to school and finishing up college or reading books or, or studying the industry. Mm-hmm. When we would get together and have our conversations, we would be talking about what, what kind of personal growth are they doing and how can it apply to work? I see that as a, a definitely measurement of success outside of what you know, how many calls you can do or how many clicks mm-hmm. you get in marketing or how much the product is selling and what the revenue targets were. What else is going on that that's building you to be a more holistic and rounded person for the organization so you can benefit multiple areas? Right. Yeah. And that really gets into, uh, you know, is, is this someone who's coming and doing their best? Is this an A player? Is this an overachiever? Is that, you know, but it sounds like if you're, you're looking at the lens of, is this someone who wants to continue to learn, continue to get better, continue to improve every day? And they're willing to spread that not only on themselves, but into other departments and other places and to challenge other people to get better and to want to poke at the status quo and to poke at what we're doing. Uh, I love that stuff. I love when people call me and they have great ideas. And it always surprises me that they go, oh, I wasn't really sure how you were going to take this. And I'm like, what do you mean? You have a great idea for my business and I'm going to say, oh, no, 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 I don't want to talk to you. I mean, that's crazy. you know. But I think somehow we're socially programmed along the way to like, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, I think probably it goes back to some people might see it as criticism in some way through mm. some lens. Right. Like, well, if you're such a, a great leader, you should have already thought of it. So if I if I point it out to you, I maybe it may be interpreted it as like you're questioning my ability as a leader. Right. But we, we can't know everything about everything, right? We have our own perspectives that we look through mm-hmm. our companies through our personal lives through. We need somebody else and probably multiple people telling us different things and how to look at things. So, Scott, you you mentioned earlier uh, about how you organize space inside of uh, the different uh, buildings or different parts of the company you have. 
And I think that that connects to this next question, which is how does fun and gameplay fit in your organization? That's a great question for us. I think it I think it fits greatly into the organization, and I've designed the you know the, the buildings in the space to be that way. It's, I think probably 35 to 40 percent of our square footage that we use is dedicated to really things for the employees to to enjoy and do, other than their 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 day to day job. We've we've got uh, a, a dedicated movie room, a a game room with ping pong and air hockey and shuffleboard and pool tables and arcade games and dartboards and uh, it's a really fun area to, to hang out in. We've got. Uh, nap pods and massage chairs for the employees, a workout facility is going in in May, and really just dedicated a lot of space to helping people have fun when they're at work and enjoy being there and kind of collaborate you know, together outside of, of you know, their desks. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, it's been a great success. I, I love walking into the game room and seeing people from different departments, you know, playing ping pong or playing pool or just sitting in the theater room and, uh, you know, and chatting over lunch. And it, it's just, it's just fun to see people just coming together and collaborating. Now, Ken, as the, the the latecomer here to this to this party uh, of being inside of this startup, uh, do you see that that is an opportunity for people to collaborate? Is it a, an opportunity for them to maybe de-stress, or is this a place for them to go and get competitive and get their, you know, kind of guess those competitive juices going, or maybe some combination of all of this? Yeah, I definitely think it's all of the above. We have specific individuals, and I think groups who see it more as a competitive space. Mm-hmm. We have other people and groups who come in there as more of the, the relaxation place. And we have other people who come in there who are more in the, the collaborative space. They're, they're, not, they're semi-competitive, but also want to kind of relax. And I think people come in there different times of the day to do different things. Sometimes they want to have a competitive, fun match. Other mm-hmm. times, I, I just need a break. And having those spaces available and actually being utilized. I think it's always great when leaders are going in and having a good time. Like Scott and I will go in and and play ping pong or we'll play pool and the employees see, oh, this isn't just a for show. Mm -hmm. They actually want us using these facilities, having a good time, being able to step away from our desk, enjoy it, and then go back to work. We want people to enjoy coming up. They, They want to want to come to work, right? We have very low turnover in the organization across the board, and I think this plays a big part of it because I see people who either compete or collaborate in the, the, the gaming areas and they're they're taking that same spirit a lot of times back to their desk right they don't want to lose a deal they, they want to win right right so they, they they carry that same mentality into the workspace and they've got a, another outlet for it in a much more fun environment well it's great if you can take that uh, and layer it because we've often said on this show it's come up a thousand times having a ping pong table is not culture Having beanbags and letting people ride scooters around, it's not culture. These are just things that are nice to have there. But if you can incorporate it in such a way that works for your company, if you guys feel like you're competitive, you feel like you're collaborative and people want to come together, and this is a space that allows you to sort of extend what you're already doing, uh, and it's not a crutch, and it's not just a, hey, well, there's beer in the corner on Friday and you can go play ping pong, and then that means you should like your job, then, then that's good. You know, as the organization begins to sort of mature and, and continues to grow, uh, Scott, I'm kind of wondering, how do you see the, uh, the the sort of challenge that you have as the leader of the organization to really begin to manage that career progression for your company, for, for all the different people that are you know currently there? Yeah, it's really important. It's really important to me to help mentor people, you know, in their career. So, uh, 
you know, as we've started the growth, I, I think from, you know, really for us mostly our from our call center, um, people have been moving into account management and sales and, and, and sales leadership into marketing, into product. In fact, I think the, the first sales class that we had almost, uh, almost or sorry, the first customer service class we had almost two years ago, I think six of them are in different roles right now. And it's just great to see people kind of go to their career. So we're trying to define, you know, a career path and career growth. And we're really trying to define it, you know, mostly from customer service as, as we grow that group and define areas that they grow, grow into, into that career path. And then, you know, of course, in the other areas, there's that same opportunity, but this is really a defined path. Right, right. And, and can do you see that there's those... I guess enough avenues, enough place, you know, as the company, if you look, I guess, a year down the line or two years down the line, do you see that that, uh, there's those places for people to begin to go? Yeah, we've got a lot of products in the pipeline that we're anticipating some some pretty strong revenue growth, which is going to allow us to expand into different verticals, go after different markets and clientele. And I think that's only going to create more opportunities for the organization. Our marketing team's likely going to be growing. Our product team's going to be growing. Um, technology team's going to be growing. So there's a lot of different avenues for people. I mean, we, we brought somebody in maybe two months ago, and they're already hiring people to report to them. So it's like you know, they're put in a leadership role. They, mm-hmm. they understand what they're what they're doing and, and the company and the culture. They're, they've bought into it. And now they're thinking of ways and, and, and wanting to bring in the next caliber of talent as well, too. So, yeah, there, there are definitely some opportunities. There are some defined paths, but I think there's a lot, too, that's just kind of organic. What, what does the company need right now? Um, we're still in that kind of mindset where as you're growing, you're going to identify things that you weren't really thinking of. And we've got to fill that, and there's likely going to be a candidate internally. And right. if there's not, then we can go externally for it. And this is often something the leadership team in general needs to be thinking about. It's not just the CEO. It's not just Scott's job to think about it, but it's everyone in the leadership's team to begin thinking about where we can develop people and put people in different places. Um, something that I've been talking a lot about is this concept of part-time leadership. Uh, a lot of my best leaders, my best people that I've been able to promote – told me in the beginning they did not want to be a leader they did not want to be in charge of a department or a team or whatever but we would you know if we could see potential in them we would get them to maybe agree to be in charge of a project and then maybe a small team and it was this process of learning and the process of them getting comfortable with themselves and you know not everyone has leaders i guess that they grew up with to learn from not everyone goes and starts reading 50 leadership books and and has a basis for it but is this a, a strategy you guys have taken or is it maybe just hiring people in that you already believe are leaders you know to kind of find the right types of people to move up throughout that process well i i think we would do kind of both so right now we we've put some people who want to do more for the organization, they do take over small projects and try to expand and grow. But we've also brought people in and in our sales group recently, we put some people in some lead positions mm-hmm. to try and test out. You know, selling is one thing, leading salespeople is another, right? It's a whole different <laughs> skill set. That's <laughs> a whole other thing. <laughs> right. So, and it is kind of a, it's a, it's a run to say, is, is this what you really want to do? Do, mm-hmm. do you want to lead people in certain organizations? And I think it's great to do like trial periods to say, even if people say they don't want to do it. So I've had just the opposite too, people saying they want to lead. And then all of a sudden, they're, they're managing their, their relationships and their friends that they've made. Right. A whole other set of challenges, and they, they don't want to do it. And that's the, the sort of the argument for putting people in there as a, 
a part-time thing uh, to give them those the practice of doing it for them to decide oh i'm better at this than i thought i was or i want nothing to do with this i mean i've had i have a, a salesperson with us for a long time and for a moment he thought he might want to be in charge of everyone and he did a little project and he went you know what i'm really happy where i'm at and i would like to just stay right here yep. and continue to grow my pipeline and and do great but i don't want to be in charge of people yep. I mean, and that's okay that's okay yeah, the yeah. Way we, you need to have people who are great individual contributors and you need to have great leaders and often it's about finding that right motivation that connects with them and you know scott how do you see that that motivation you know, for most of your employees uh, how does that tie into what you guys are doing now and how do you as a ceo really continue to try to make sure that you and the rest of your leadership team are fostering more of that yeah i think from you know the different employees i think are you know a lot of them are motivated in different ways you know obviously we have people that are very you know motivated from sales and sales contests and sales goals and others that are motivated because they feel a sense of obligation to the customers and they love to help people others are motivated through through recognition in, in, in those items so it has been in, in you know a, a challenge to, to grow and continue to look at a diverse group of people now and say hey how do we stay you know on task and motivated for this kind of you know common goal and common culture but you know bringing Ken the leadership team you know together to really you know kind of you know for me it was two years ago, 18 months ago, maybe even 12 months ago, you know, I knew pretty much everything that was going on in every area and, you know, down to the the smallest detail. And as we've grown, I don't know that anymore. It's a challenge for me to, you know, walk around and go, I'm not 100% sure what exactly is going to, you know, going on today with every detail. And and that's kind of hard for me to trust in other people to do it. But but I've done that and I've let go. I know I'm sidetracking it a little bit, but I think it's kind of fun for me to see because it touches on what we just talked about. I walk around now and I see people in different departments, uh, you know, and and they're at break or at lunch or, or doing something and they're collaborating with another department, like someone from the customer service department and other workers I've never seen this happen, where someone from customer service is sitting in the break group and talking to someone from product and they're sharing ideas, you know, back and forth. A marketing person and an account manager are talking about different things together. And it's neat to see, because I, I did not instill this, I didn't, I, I don't know if the, I didn't do this, I didn't intentionally say go do projects together or work mm-hmm. together, but this is being pushed down from the management team. You know, without any direction from me, someone put together, you know, a you know, a, a monthly new employee, you know, welcome breakfast and so they get a chance to, you know, all meet and talk to each other. We have emails that go out, you know, every few days and what's new and happening at, at IDIQ, you know, mm-hmm. who's coming on board, how are the stats doing, how are the numbers doing, you know, kind of what's happening in the company. And it's kind of just neat to walk around and see everyone kind of working together. Yeah. Yeah. I think, Chris, that motivation at its base is, is mostly intrinsic. We're kind of in an industry where we're doing important work. So I think a lot of that intrinsic motivation is already there. So we as a leadership team are always looking for ways to how do we extrinsically motivate them to do... Well, it's continuing to foster it, right? To keep it going. To keep it going. Because it goes back to diversity, right? So there's a diversity of thought and leadership and and talent. There's also a diversity in how to add those little motivating factors. You know, everybody's different what motivates them extrinsically. And we, we have to be adaptable to that. Some people want recognition. Some people want monetary. Some people just want to do a great job that day. Mm-hmm. So we have to be able yeah. to adapt to that. Well, most important question here. We're out of time. I really appreciate you both being in here live in the studio. And we've enjoyed uh, kind of changing up our format today. Uh, how can people get a hold of you? How can they find out more about your products uh, if they need help with uh, their credit monitoring or they're having an issue or they're concerned they might have an issue at some point? What's the best way for them to find out more? 
Well, so for my B2B side, IDIQ, the corporate site, is IDIQ.com. Mm-hmm. It's probably the best place to start. For consumers looking to get those types of products and services, Identity IQ, um, spelled just like it sounds, .com, is the a website that we have direct to facing consumers. I think if you go to identityiq.com, there's a, we have all of our articles and content public facing, so you can read about identity theft, why thieves steal your information, what do they do with it, how do you protect yourself, regardless if you sign up for a product like ours or, ours or not, but just education to know what thieves are doing and the best ways to protect yourself. And uh, it's identityiq.com. Fantastic. Well, Ken and Scott, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you to everyone who, who is listening to today's show, whether it's live or on the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Go to talentalkradio.com to do that. Hopefully you've gained something that you can use in your own career in a positive way. Our next live show will be, uh, looks like uh, March, uh, look at next week it will be, with uh, Charlotte Canning, Chief Culture Officer of Hoffer Plastics, and Darren Nerlin, CIO of Palooza Conference. He's also a keynote speaker and entrepreneur, so we have a lot to talk about with them. Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.